Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. It's Sue Tab and I am so excited to welcome today's guest. She is a familiar face on TV screens throughout Boston. Cindy Fitzgibbon was recently named Chief Meteorologist for WCVB Storm Team 5. She's an award-winning meteorologist with more than 25 years of experience. Cindy's going to continue to help people start their day as part of the eye-opener team. She's with us today to share some insights and talk about her groundbreaking career. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, you guys. Happy Sunday morning. Yes, same to you. And first, we have to say congratulations on your promotion. Thank you so much. It's um, It's been a few weeks, but I think it is still kind of settling in. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and you are the first female chief meteorologist in the Boston market. A pretty significant chapter in your career, but also for women in the field, all women in the field. Yeah, I mean, it is a male-dominated field. Meteorology, you know, it's science, it's math, it's, um, you know, STEM. And there are increasingly more and more women getting involved, which is wonderful. And although I am the first female chief in the Boston market, there are other um, female chiefs across the country. I mean, WCVB is an ABC affiliate. So you look at Ginger Z, who is the chief meteorologist on Good Morning America and for the ABC network. And so I'm definitely not the first nationwide, but it's a small percentage. Overall, if you look at all the broadcast meteorologists, about 29% uh, are female, and of those, only 8% are chiefs. So proud to be among the 8% now. I know. And is there more opportunity now? I mean, I'd imagine more and more women are entering the field, young women getting started out. And Mm -hmm. so I would imagine that hopefully that number will grow, that 29% or that 8% who are chiefs. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, just in the years that I have been doing this, um, and I started in the mid-90s, so it's been a little while, um, but, you know, it was somewhat rare for a, a station to have one female on staff as part of their team. And now, I mean, when you look around, most stations have at least one. Um, A lot of stations, like we do, have two. Um, And, you know, now you're seeing uh, females increasingly becoming not only part of weather teams, but also taking more of a prominent role within them. You decided, Cindy, to stay on in the mornings. Why did you make that decision? Um, I honestly have been doing mornings for the bulk of my 27 years doing this. Um, And it's really a function of my family Um, because I have two boys. I am a mom when I'm not a meteorologist. (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, the hours really just work better for, for me to do both. Um, so I get up really early, about one forty-five in the morning. I'm um, here at the station around 3, 3.30, and we're on at 4.30. Um, but my day, my work day, winds down. I get to leave the station after the noon broadcast. So um, ever since my boys were young, I have always been around and always been present in their lives pretty much all afternoon until they used to go to bed before me. <laughs> now <you laughs> but go now uh, I go to bed before that. Yeah. Um, but they're, um, you know, when I, when I started in this market, I didn't have children, and now I have two high schoolers. Um, and so my, my youngest is just starting his freshman year of high school this fall. Um, and so these next four years are really important. My oldest is going to be a junior. Um, so I wanted to still you know, be around and be present um, in the afternoons for them and um, be involved. 
So the hours on the morning shift allow me to do that more readily than the evening shift where I would, you know, be working in the afternoons and the evenings and during school time, especially, I I really wouldn't see them at all. Yeah. And I I like that because like you can have dinner with them every night, even though maybe you have to go to bed right after that. (laughs) (laughs) You you can talk to them after school. You can be around for a little while. Um, Yes, I can. Yeah. And that's precious time. My girls just graduate, you know, they're both out of college now. But when I look back, that is precious time when they're in high school. It it really is. And it goes by so quickly. And it's time that, you know, you can't get back. Um, And particularly given the fact that, you know, I had been around um, so much. If I suddenly wasn't, I feel like that would have been jarring um, for them and for myself. Yeah. Talk about how you got started. Um, you're a native mm. New Englander. You went to school up in Vermont. Did you know yeah. from an early age that you wanted to be in this field? Did you always have an affinity for science, weather, that kind of thing? Absolutely, 100%. And I think when you talk to a lot of meteorologists, perhaps the majority of them, um, their their passion was kind of sparked as a, as a young person, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was always absolutely about weather the interesting thing is I was very shy when I was young, so never in a million years would you have told my, my you know, teenage self that I would ever be on television. I would really? not have believed you. It was, yeah, it's funny how, how some things change and others don't. So um, I grew up in Maine, um, and I was absolutely um, just curious about the weather. And I, I would look at the sky, and I would notice the clouds and how they would change from hour to hour, their movement from day to day. And I just was curious why. Um, you know, any sort of storm, um, I was always interested. I loved snow, you know, and this was back in the time before there was social media where I could just, you know, write down how much snow I had and just tweet it out or send it out or send it to the local TV station. This is, I had a journal and I would write it down and then I would use my rotary telephone. Really? Oh my God. I would call my friends and tell them how much snow we had and they just really didn't care. Um, but you know, I think that had there been such a thing, I would have been an absolute weather observer from the little town I grew up in in Maine. So, um, so always interested in weather. Um, I remember hurricane Gloria. I remember being very upset because my father made us go into the basement because the wind was knocking down trees and it wasn't safe, but I was upset cause I couldn't look out the window at it. But, um, yeah, I remember always, hurricane Gloria yeah. when I was in college, I think, was it 1985 or six? Yeah, it was it was in the eighties. It was in the eighties, but it's just you know any sort of weather phenomenon. Just I was always interested in it. And when I was in sixth grade, uh, a local meteorologist who retired several years ago, um, Joe Cupo, up in Maine, um, he came to my class in sixth grade, and he said, you know, his job was to study the weather and then forecast the weather. And he talked about it on television. And I thought, wait, you can study weather as a job? You can forecast weather as a job? So I was hooked at that moment. The TV part, no, not that so much. That came a little came later, later. But yeah. But it's funny that you say you're shy. I would have never guessed that. You are so <laughs> smooth. You are so unflappable on the air. You just, it's like butter. I'm like, wow. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I guess, well, I mean, I guess, you know, with time comes the right. confidence because, mm-hmm. you know, you've been doing this a while, but you'd never know it when you're on the air. Well, it, what helped me overcome that shyness um, was actually performance. I got involved in singing groups in high school. 
Um, and so that, that kind of helped with that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny because I think personalities inevitably will change within people. Um, you know, what, what you are as a teenager and a 20 something, you know, changes decades later. But, um, for me, the, the, the core of what I do is weather and science. And that passion has been there for as long as I can remember. And it's, it's still here now. Uh, and it comes through the passion. But I would think, you know, being a meteorologist in New England brings unique challenges, let's say, <laughs> because we have such extremes here. And so does, you know, being in the Boston market make your job more challenging, more fun, more interesting or all of the above? Uh, yes, 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 and yes to all of those things. It depends on the day and the season and the weather pattern that we're in, honestly. I mean, it's not the same day to day, week to week, month to month, and year to year. I mean, look, for example, at the summer we are having, right? We're in a drought. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Look what at is last up? summer. What is Last summer, it would not stop raining. I know. <laughs> and now so. we can't, our lawns are brown and we can't drink. Yes, I know. It is always different, which is always interesting and challenging and exciting. And it's funny because, you know, meteorology is the science of the weather. And and so every day my job is to forecast the weather. It's like I'm answering the same question every day, but the answer is different every single day and sometimes can change, you know, within the minutes that we're on air. So it's always different. It's always exciting. And this is, this is truly... Um, a challenging place to forecast because we get so much weather all the time. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in New England, it helped to spark to spark that interest, too. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Sue Tab, and today I have the privilege of speaking with the very first female chief meteorologist in the Boston market. She is Cindy Fitzgibbon, and she's talking with us about her new position leading the team at WCVB Storm Team 5, her work with educational programs, and her focus on helping all of us navigate changing weather patterns. Cindy, of course, stepping into the role left by forecasting legend Harvey Leonard, who retired earlier this year. Let's talk a little bit about Harvey. You've been pretty uh, vocal, Cindy, about how grateful you are to him. Mm. Um, You've called him a legend, a friend, a colleague. How high did he set the bar, and what might we be surprised to know about Harvey? Oh, Harvey. I don't know if Harvey how high he set the bar. I think he kind of created the bar. <laughs> <You> <laughs> there you know? go. Like, he um, is wonderful in every way as a human being um, first, but, you know, foremost as a meteorologist, like his ability to forecast. I mean, he's taught me so many things just working with him for almost a decade, but he has taught so many meteorologists. He's mentored so many meteorologists over the years, many of whom are in television markets all across this country now. Um, But, you know, also, too, I think the viewer at home over the years learned a lot from Harvey. Um, He's just so um, passionate about what he does and his love of weather, and he just exudes that Mm -hmm. um, just working with him. He's super knowledgeable um, and willing to share that knowledge and and really got joy out of teaching others too. Yeah. Um, so working, you know, in the same market with him as, as a colleague and then working alongside him, you know, for a couple of decades just has been a really, really great opportunity. Um, and Harvey himself, um, what would be surprising about him? Yes. Um, he's funny. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> Sometimes his jokes go over my head. <laughs> But he's funny. He's oh. really funny and just a, a loving father and just, you know, always um, very caring and always asking about family. And, you know, he just he's just everything you would imagine he is. He truly is. Oh, that's so good to hear. You're involved, Cindy, with organizations that promote science education, particularly mm-hmm. for young girls. Um, I know you, you're involved in a Smart Gals program and STEM Expos and the Science Club for Girls. Why is the education piece such an important part of the work that you do? Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to that story I told you about myself in sixth grade, right? Yeah. Impressionable young mind, you know, that was just something sparked that day. A light bulb went off. And from that moment, I kind of felt this responsibility, um, you know, because that was me at that time. And there are all these young minds that might be in a similar boat. Um, So over the years, my goodness, the school visits that I have done, um, try to think of the the volume of (laughs) students that I may have spoken to over the years. I mean, I've been... Um, at, at a restaurant, and the waiter would say, you came to my class in middle school. And we even actually had a new employee here at the station a few years back who said the same thing to me. I said, wow, okay. <laughs> I've been doing this a while. Um, but around. I do think yeah. it's really important. With so much focus, Cindy, on climate change right now um, mm-hmm. and navigating these crazy weather patterns, you know, we look at each other. We were talking about this on Morning Magic um, just the other day. Why has it changed so much? It seems like there is so much more sort of catastrophic weather, flooding, mm-hmm. wildfires, tornadoes. Are we just better at forecasting it? it or, or what's happening? Help us. <laughs> well, th- there is definitely more. And I feel like over the past several years, we are noticing it more. Mm-hmm. We are actually seeing it happening here. We're seeing it happening in other parts of the country. And sure, there is much more documentation now because everybody has a cell phone and we're capturing, you know, these extreme weather events, but they are happening much more frequently than they ever have been before. Um, So at Channel 5 at WCVB, we have this initiative. It's called Forecasting Our Future. And it's a really wonderful opportunity for us to kind of highlight Um, some of the impacts that we're seeing of climate change. And it can be anything from, you know, allergy season being different than it used to be to um, just so many different things. This morning we talked about sea level rise. Um, Mm -hmm. And you you talk about the the days that you just have flooding because there's a a new moon or a full moon, kind of those sunny day floods. Um, And the the number of those has increased um, markedly just in the past 10 years or so, and that's going to continue to increase as sea level continues to come up. So climate change is definitely happening, and the science on that is pretty conclusive now. There is this um, panel, it's called the IPCC, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and it's made up of about 278 climate scientists and experts from 65 different countries. So they are the experts and they, all they do is is study climate change and they come out with these reports and their April report basically said, it's because of us that, that we are why this is happening. We are the cause. It is emissions and it's the heat trapping gases that are just kind of accelerating the rate of warming. Um, And you look at the numbers. So NOAA released their annual global climate report and the annual temperature, you go back to 1880, and the average rate is about 0.14 degree Fahrenheit per decade since 1880. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but it does when that yeah. is per decade. Yeah. And over twice that rate 
since 1981. So, you know, you look back just the past 10 years or so, going back to 2013, 2013 to 2021, they rank among the 10 warmest on record. And 2021 was also the 45th consecutive year since 1977 that we've had temperatures above the 20th century average. So, I mean, the planet is getting warmer. And, of course, as we continue to see the planet warm, the science is getting more clear uh, and more evident. But the solution is where in lies sometimes some of the political sort of part of this. Um, But I think that people now definitely are recognizing that there are impacts from climate change. It's kind of hard to to not see them at this right, point. that it's a real phenomenon. And, you know, I feel like if we know that we're the problem, can't we be mm-hmm. the solution? And I guess, you know, let's hope that we can be. <laughs> right, exactly. And, there, yeah. you know, there are things that we all can do kind of consciously, um, things that you never used to think about in the past that now you can kind of consciously say, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should, you know, instead of driving there, I could walk, you know, or I could bike or I can yeah. recycle this. So... You manage a pretty demanding career. I mean, you're, you know, you're up at the crack of dawn. You're up in the middle of the night. It's not the crack of dawn. The middle of the night. You have kind of crazy hours. Um, And you also have a husband and you have two teenage boys and you have a dog. By the way, fun fact, Cindy's dog, Cashew, is the biological brother of my dog, Gracie. And They're siblings. I know. We have sibling pups. It's the cutest thing. Um, who, by the way, need to meet each other this summer for sure. They do. Um, well, they've met, obviously, from the same litter, but they yes. haven't, you know. They haven't reunited. As, um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. They're going to be two. They'll be two August just 13th. About a week or so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they'll have to have some sort of reunion. Yes, for sure. So how do you balance it all? What do you do? That is a great question. That is a wonderful question. Um, You know, I'm just doing the best that I can every day, and I think that's all one can one can do. So uh, I don't get a lot of sleep. um, What time do you go to bed? Uh, It depends on the sports season. Ah, I forgot. Your boys are are big into. Is it baseball? Currently. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So um, but okay. we're coming up on football season. My older one plays football. So, okay. um, you know, I try, my, my alarm goes off at, my first alarm goes off at one, I say 145, but it's actually 144. And then I have a snooze for a few minutes thereafter. But, um, so I try to, I try to be in bed by eight. So you're only getting, oh, you're only getting five and a half hours of sleep most nights? Mm, yeah, that's not a good night. But I, know. I do that's try and nap every now and then. I thought I was bad because I get up at 3, 345. Mm-hmm. And I thought that yeah. was bad. So now you're making me feel a little bit better. <laughs> and I try to go to bed by 9. But yeah, it's yeah. never enough and you never really get used no. to it. But you just kind of, you just start to figure it out. Um, your your son, well, I was going to say, do your son's... Um, how do they react to the fact that you're on TV and that you're such a public person? Um, or are you just mom and they don't really care? <laughs> I am just mom and they don't really care all that much, but it's definitely evolved because their entire lives, I have been mom, the meteorologist on TV. Mm-hmm. So when they were little, they tried to figure out how we knew this person that would approach us in the store. And I would explain to them, well, they know me, they know me from the TV. Right. We don't, you really don't know, know them. them but yes. they feel like they know me. Right. Yeah. And now, as they've gotten older, um, it becomes more embarrassing. <laughs> <I think. laughs> 
simply because, you know, oh, I posted a picture of something on social media. Like, Mom, yeah. why why did you put that picture up? I don't like that picture. I mean, we've got teenagers now in the house. So it's been an evolution of, of what Mom, the meteorologist from TV, means to but, them. But I imagine that you've been such a positive role model for them because they've seen you breaking barriers, reaching mm. these milestones, juggling a career and a family, and doing it all pretty well. So that that must make you pretty proud. Um, thank you. <laughs> I think that they will look back on that yes. and maybe realize that in the moment as a teenager. I'm not sure if that is resonating quite as clearly, <laughs> but Eventually I think someday it will. It will. I think. Yeah. yeah. I feel like my girls who are 22 and 24 are just sort of looking back now and not being quite right. as embarrassed of me and thinking, oh, she did all right, you know? Right, <laughs> right. But we honestly, it is. It is something that, I, you know, I'm proud to be able to do both. And I feel like part of it is these weird hours that I do work because I, I feel like I have the best of both worlds. I can devote all of this time to my career, but also be present when the boys are awake and living their lives and be a part of that as well. Right. I only have time for one more question, so I'll ask you this. If you could give give advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um, Sleep now or forever hold your peace? I don't know. That is a good Um, one. Honestly, yeah, honestly, I would say um, you're you're smart enough and you belong. Um, I kind of always felt like, you know, as the – the, the, the one female in the room, like, did I, do I belong here? And I feel like now as I'm seeing more and more females in the room that, yeah, I, I do belong and it's, it is enough. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, Cindy, I have a STEM girl. I have a daughter who's an aerospace engineer and she was the Wonderful. only girl in the room in a lot of mm-hmm. her college classes. And she was my shy one as you were when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, but now she is, she can advocate for herself and she can present an opposing opinion, and she's very, very self-confident. And I think that that helped her um, yes. being different and saying, you know, but but I still belong um, mm-hmm. was huge for her. So thank you for what you do, by the way, for STEM education, because that's a big deal. Well, thank you, and congrats to your daughter. That's wonderful. Yeah. So thank you. You know what? We're already out of time, and I I could go on for another half an hour with you, but I I just I want to thank you so much because you're just an inspiration. You're a great example of someone who rose through the ranks with hard work and with dedication, and your story, I think, is a really, really important one for women everywhere to see what is possible. So thank you for being willing to share that with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate speaking with you guys this morning. Yeah, and we wish you continued success in the future. And we will be watching because you are always on in our studio on Morning Magic. We're always, we always have Channel 5 on. Wonderful. Well, I'll be there every morning. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. It's our honor and it's our privilege to shine a light on the change makers and to provide a platform for people who are out doing meaningful work in our communities Thank you for paying attention and for helping us create engaging programming. We'd love to hear from you. If you know someone who is making a difference, just email us or send us a message on our Magic Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram at sue.tab and at Kendra the Entertainer. And then join us every Sunday morning at 730 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Have a great day, everyone.